In his legendary book, The War of Art, Stephen Pressfield writes, the professional arms himself with patience, not only to give the stars time to align in his career, but to keep himself from flaming out in each individual work. He knows that any job, whether it's a novel or a kitchen remodel, takes twice as long as he thinks and costs twice as much. He steals himself at the start of a project, reminding himself it is the Iditarod, not the 60-yard dash. He conserves his energy. He prepares his mind for the long haul. End quote. I've personally met very few artists who embody and practice that attitude quite as well or as consistently as Christopher Williams. Like the professional in Pressfield's book, Chris does the work of being an artist. Little to no flash, though there's definitely some pizzazz on display when he's playing that hand drum. No complaining, though he can clearly articulate the difficulty of life as a full-time artist. Little to nothing extra, just the songs, which 14 projects later are better than they've ever been. This is my conversation with singer, songwriter, and percussionist Christopher Williams. Check it out. I was just talking to someone about that. Uh, I might have been yesterday about like the weird, like the weird relationship you have if if you're a public person. The weird relationship you have with a tribe of people mm-hmm. who like you could be 21 years in, 22 years into a career, and have 15. What are you at? 17 projects. Uh, 12, 12, 12, 13, 14, Full 12 life. of my own, but 14 total. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and still there's someone who lives in like Seattle. Yep. Who's like this record. Play the one from college, 1994, <laughs> <From> 1994 <laughs> the song about it, the bus. That's yours. And that's what that's, it's not just like, that's my favorite of yours. That's actually who you are to them. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I like, often will respond, you know, I've put out. 11 albums since then. <laughs> I've done and some. And they say, really? Oh, I didn't know. I'm like, wow. You're that happy with that song. <laughs> it's just like, I'm so glad you're that connected to that one jam. But there's been some work since then. It's yeah, pretty good. You it's, should exactly. maybe check it out. It's, it's a, I think it's a little better. <laughs> does does than, your Spotify not say you might also like? <laughs> like uh, maybe it does. I don't know. I don't know. It's so bad. Um, <laughs> how long have you been here now in Nashville? 16 years. Jeez. I know. Coming up, it'll be 17 next month. Wow. That's insane. Does it feel like home? Mm-hmm. It does. When did that happen? Uh, probably when we bought the house. Really? I think so. I mean, yeah, because that was two and a half years. I always feel like it takes a good three years to feel settled in a place, huh. especially with coming and going as much as we do yeah um yeah i don't know yeah i mean when i have a since we've had the home and we've remodeled it and all that stuff it feels like oh this i love coming back to this place Mm. and then community and all that stuff surrounding it is probably a different part of that but it feels meaning what meaning 
the wrestle of finding community, being community, how difficult it is, how challenging, yeah. how beautiful, how it's ebbed and flowed. That that has constantly ebbed and flowed in the sixteen years. Yeah. And because the group of people has ebbed and flowed? Yeah. Yeah. And in some ways you can't make that be your home. Is you that... can't make people be your home. Yeah. Why? Uh because we'd be constantly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. That's a Would pretty you like encouraging. the sad answer or the saddest answer? Uh, exactly. No, I, I think, I mean, people obviously make your home feel like home. But I think it, maybe less depressing answer is it's just, it's all a part of yeah. what it feels like. But huh. I think as I've gotten older... And kind of built this space uh, that is my actual home. It feels like, oh yeah, this is home. Hmm. And I've never been home as long as I've been home in this stretch. Right. Because <laughs> so sixteen, season. seventeen years here. Before yeah. you've you were in New York. You've been in Boston. You've been in Seattle. How did it? Yeah. How did it actually go? Because you, you, where were you born? Uh, born in New York. Uh, outside, uh, lived outside the city for most of my life. I went to college in Pennsylvania. Uh, Where'd you go to school? Bucknell University. Really? Yeah. I don't remember what you studied. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't matter at this point. I was a religion major with a studio art and sociology minor, which is really useful, all of that. Super forgetful. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, good. And then I picked up, grunge was popular, so I was like, I'm going to get the heck out of here, and I moved to Seattle because it was the tail end of grunge, and I was like, that looks like a cool place. And yeah. I wanted to reboot. So you I were just, right. I was right. I wore a lot of flannel. My hair was long. I fit in, except for I didn't play grunge music. Yeah, you played the djembe. I played the Not yet. Uh, oh, really? No, that didn't happen until after. Yeah, that didn't happen until I moved back to Boston, if I remember correctly. So I moved to Seattle. And then after four years, I had some opportunities in Boston. So I moved to Boston for eight. And then I moved here for coming up 17. Wow. Years. Yeah. Do you miss one of those places more so? No. Really? No, I miss uh, I miss the mountains of Seattle and I miss the ocean in Boston. Because we don't have either of those things here. If you didn't no, you know. really don't. <laughs> here no. in Nashville. It's, uh, yeah, don't have those. You have a Parthenon, but you don't have any actual hills. We have Athena. Yes. Praise Athena. Um, the massive sculpture of Athena. Does New York still feel like home? Mm-mm. Even when you go back? Never. Yeah. I have friends that still live there from high school, and I'm like, I don't understand how you do that. Really? <laughs> yeah. But we moved out of the house that I grew up in. Uh, my mom, we helped her move out for four, five, six years ago, something like that, after my dad died. And so it just, yeah, it doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like home. Huh. Know. Yeah. And, I, and Boston, and there's part of me that when I go back to Seattle and I go back to Boston, it's like, oh, this feels like home. But it feels like home in a totally different life. Like you're sense. like you changed. Yeah, I've changed, and I'm like I remember this place, and I remember certain things, and I remember people, and there's a glimmer of like it feeling like home, but but it's more like nostalgia than it is. Yeah, yep. Like an actual identification. Yep. Yeah. And this place, like I mean, this is the longest place I've ever lived, other than no, it might actually be the longest place I've ever lived. At this point in Nashville, yeah, if it's seventeen years, well, even I mean, even the child, my childhood home that I moved to after I was seven, yeah, 
This is the longest place. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> How about that? All of a sudden. All of a sudden. All of a sudden after 17 years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Meteoric rise to fame in 20 years. In 20 years. That, that nostalgic association with places. I mean, you didn't even have to live somewhere to have it, right? I mean, like if you travel enough, yep. which you have, like there are places that just feel that way. Yep. Like, yeah, I, like I have a sense of, I have a sense of belonging here. It's not, it's not like in my body intrinsic fundamental, but I have it. Yeah. And it's more like the nostalgia. Like it could be like a great event, great meal, great conversation, great show, yep. Yep. whatever. And, and there's like this DC is that way for mm-hmm. me. And some of it is like, I just, I like the, I like the noise and the buzz of DC and like, the like I, I really really like that hmm. but also like have just had some really significant moments in dc mm-hmm. like um what was the name of the coffee house ebenezer's. ebenezer's yeah we've had a few moments there yeah i mean just it's like and it was yeah, there was a stretch there for like eight or nine years i would you know i would play a gig at ebenezer's every year yep and it was a great gig every yep. year yep and had like a, like a tribe and it's like I'm playing a show in DC and like the people who are in the show work on the hill. I'm like, right. Oh my gosh. And, and it's like, I don't belong. I don't actually fundamentally belong in DC, <laughs> but, but every time I was there, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I fit in this place kind of. So you can kind of have that sense of nostalgia. Yeah. And it's funny in this season of, of COVID of not traveling, like I'm, I'm beginning to miss, I'm not beginning. I am missing those places. Oh Yeah. A lot of like, oh yeah, I go here at this time of year. I go here at this time of year. I play this stage. I go to get this piece of food after the show. And like, yeah, gosh, I think that's really beginning to catch up yeah. to me right now. It's part of why I decided to do this here yeah. is, to tra- is to travel to Nashville. Because yep. yeah, I could have done, I could have like, we could have been on the phone. We could have done the thing over Skype and like made it happen that way. It would have been fine. Yeah. But want for outside of the fact like face-to-face interviews are just different feel different totally. the conversations more conversational but the conversation is more conversational but also um I, just being on the road like going doing the thing like the, getting in line finding my seat on the airplane that feeling right when the airplane tips and yep. like i can fall asleep if i want to or not or hotels rental cars the whole thing i'm like ah that sense of home yeah it's a bizarre sense of home i but i love it i don't even know if it's a sense of home it's it's what you and i have known for 20 plus years yes and there's a it's more of like a comfort yeah which is bizarre because it's not comfortable at all (laughs) (laughs) any of it but just the like but the, the the idea of we're getting to go be face to face with people, have conversations, sort of allow the spirit to move, crazy things happen, we stay up late, we hang out with people. Like there's this that interaction and I'm Yes. Yeah. That I, I'm craving right now. When's so the last time you were actually doing. out? I did two shows in October, two outdoor shows in Dallas. And those are the first two shows since is second week of March, right before everything shut down. I was in Dallas. Uh, no, I was in Texas. So wow. I last, yeah. That's been a minute. Yeah, and I was like, oh gosh, I don't know how I feel about this getting on a plane and doing it, and and then, 
the second night I was like, oh yeah, I love this. I remember this. I remember <laughs> oh, yeah. this feeling. I remember, I remember this. I love this. Yeah. And, and in some senses it was a teaser because I don't think I'm going to get to do it for a while. And yep. I didn't think I was going to get to do it for a whole year, March to March. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's the, the missing of it. <clears throat> Um, I'm doing a few things here and there, but like the fact that it's not reliable, it's really disorienting. Totally. For sure. Um, do you feel healthier for not traveling? Yes. In what way? Uh, I've shed some LBs, which is great. That's what we say around this house. Shed some LBs. (laughs) You're physically healthier. I'm physically healthier. And... I would say mentally healthier. This is the most amount of time that my wife and I have ever spent together in the history of our relationship. Really? Yeah. Because I'm not going, she's not going. We've slept in the same bed for, I don't know how many nights in a row, which is amazing. Huh. Um, And obviously health is going to come from that because there's a lot of unhealth that can come from the coming and the going and the handing off and the, you take that business conversations. Right, right, right where you lose the intimacy of like actually being face to face. So I feel healthier in that way. Um, healthier in terms of community as well. One of our sort of prayers of this time was to be close to our neighborhood as much as we was something we've longed for. And we're like, we're giving, we're being granted a gift right now to be present with those who are our next door neighbors. And yeah. so we've sort of embraced that, which has been really sweet. Your physical neighbors, the folks who are actually in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. What's that look like for you to do? Um, we, early on, uh, when our church stopped meeting, we were like, we, this stinks. We hate this. And so we decided that we would host, uh, we would just sort of have front yard singing. And so we just told all the neighbors. And so we started in April and we went all the way to the end of June and then it was way too hot in July. Oh really? <laughs> so we took the month off, but yeah, we, people would just show up in their blankets and lawn chairs. Huh. I put together a set of music for an hour. We'd sing old hymns. My neighbor, a few houses up the street, Clyde, who's in his mid seventies was struggling with some health stuff hmm. earlier on. And he got out of the hospital and the next Sunday he was sitting next to me and we were singing old Gaither tunes together. Uh, so we just set up the sound system and I make song sheets, old school. And we hand them out and folks sing and sit in nature. And, uh, and then the kids run around afterwards. It's, it's really been beautiful. A huge gift for us of just being able to worship with neighbors which is something we've never done before you said was it 11 11 weeks in a row of yeah online shows which is that that's more time i think i'm getting this right about you that's like more time and more concentrated effort than you've spent for the most part in terms of like online presence like being online yep you're not like a happy facebooker no, I I sort of did the live streams like every two weeks in the beginning of this crazy thing. Uh-huh. And then I was like, this is just feels, I don't like this. And then I thought, what can I do to re sort of engage my brain and my heart in a different way than just playing songs and trying to be funny right, <laughs> in front of the computer, <laughs> Yes, which is always a great 
thing to attempt. Um, so I thought, what if I went back and I have a tendency to, to jump onto something and go, yeah, that's a great idea and jump in and go, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Huh. 11 weeks straight. Holy cow. Yeah. And it was promoting it every day, which I yep. probably went overboard on that creating videos. And, but it was a way to sort of act actively engage my heart and my brain. And so I went through and played my entire catalog of albums, except for my first one that we already discussed from 1994 that <laughs> my mom really loves <clears throat> and nobody else except for that one guy in Seattle, the guy in Seattle and your mom. Yeah. And so I skipped over that one and, uh, and invited in sort of, uh, strategically and prayerfully invited in four or five, six people to be my audience while I played through. So I would take each album, play through the thing from top to bottom, have a select group of people in the audience that I felt like I was supposed to invite. So that I was playing live to people plus to the computer and those folks. And then I kind of did this crazy thing where I went through and reread every journal I could find. Really? And pulled out, which was mind blowing. It was like your personal recorded, this is my life journal. Yeah. Wow. Dear diary. Dear diary. And pulled out things that I felt like would be poignant or funny or give us sort of a snapshot of where I was at that time in my life to help bridge the songs from song to song instead of me having to come up with funny stories on the spot I was like let's go and try to dig in to remember some of those things that I've forgotten and it was really it was really a blessing as much as it was a pain because it was a ton of work to go through but it was a blessing for my heart to go to remember people and places and memories and oh man I totally forgot about that things that that would give context to each album and where I was at, but also just remind me kind of what came out of it was just reminding me of God's faithfulness through huh. 26 years of doing this. Yeah. And it was entertaining. Like there were, there were a number of times where I, my mom would text afterwards like, wow, I learned so much. <laughs> <laughs> like that's great. Thanks. I didn't know that. Yeah. And pulling out pictures. So it was, it was called throwback Thursday. And so each yeah. day I would, post a picture from that era uh kind of giving giving a snapshot so it was really it was a really cool a cool journey a long journey with were there things about it that were not comfortable or not enjoyable because because uh, looking back over 26 years of doing anything yeah i mean it's like you come face to face i would assume yeah with uh, I don't know if I want to say, I don't know how to talk about this yet. Like versions of yourself or expressions sure. of who you were or just who you were at the time, like in song or much less in your journal that like, I would assume there was stuff that you're like, Oh, Oh dude, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff I didn't read obviously. Yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of like, wow, I've been struggling with that for 26 years mm. <laughs> or wow. I totally forgot about that and how that happened. And, or even a song of like, I had to go back and remember, like teach myself my own songs from the earlier yeah. albums. And like this third record, I did alternate tunings. I was like, I have no idea what these chords are. <laughs> Absolutely. So I had to go back and... Who wrote this mess? Exactly. But some of the cool things was like, I'd go back and I'd play a song and go, wow, that was really... A, that was a good song. Yeah. It was a good song that I don't play anymore. 
and kind of felt like there were a couple of them like, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't give that song the credit yeah. that it deserved. Cause I was like, that is, that, that was actually, yeah, that was good. Yeah. That was a good song. So it, it really, overall, the whole thing was more encouraging than anything else of like, wow, God, God, you have been so faithful. Yeah. To okay. love this And what a trip mess. to give yourself, a trip and a gift, to give yourself the permission to look back at you mm-hmm. and to say that to your, you know, in, in whatever way it's actually emotionally possible to say that to your, to the, your former self that still lives somewhere in your guts. Like, yeah. hey bro, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's that moment, right? It's like after the after the record, and you kind of find you find your set, and there are the songs and the mm-hmm. stories you tell. Like these are the good ones, and then this is like, oh crap, I don't want to think about this song. But I had to play every one of them. Yes. So then you have to look back and be like, hey, this is not a bad song. Yeah. Like you did fine. Sort and of in the way that like an older mentor would come along and be like, hey, Chris, this yeah. is good. Give and yourself more grace. To remember, dude, you were you're 50 now, but you were 26 at one point, and you wrote 26 year old songs. And that's okay. That's where you were at that time. I mean, I think every songwriter would say when their album comes out, I'm already done with it before it comes out. Like, yeah, because it's a snapshot. It's a moment of time. Like that was then. And six months later, I'm in a different place. But now I have to play these songs for two years until I write another batch of songs. And I think if you can have a healthy outlook and even in non-artist way of looking at a journal entry or looking back at something like that's where I was yep. and here's where I am now. And and I had a friend who said, if you can't look back at five years ago and say, wow, I was an idiot <laughs> in, a, in a healthy sort of way and look where I am now, that's a problem. That's good. You yeah. know what if I mean? Not, like if you're not, if, if you I have haven't grown, grown right? yeah. if I haven't grown in a year, five years, six months, whatever, then something needs to change. Yeah, that was uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite songs overall, but definitely one of my favorite songs of His Chance Rapper's uh, 56, 56th or 65th, 65th in Ingleside. Mm-hmm. And the line, uh, All My Rhymes, was about detention. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, that's goofy now, but at the time, it's like, that's your life. Yeah. And to, yeah, to be able to be like, <clears throat> hey, that's that's goofy right. that you're writing, but that, if that's what you had, that's what you had. Yeah. Doing it online, <clears throat> playing to to some degree to the computer, but you're not really right. It's like, <clears throat> excuse me, like you've got it. You know, you got your computer, you have your setup, it's mics, but you have an audience of folks and they're responding over Facebook, etc. Talk about your face to face guy. You're more of a phone like conversation person. You're not like a like you'll text, but like for you, like personal interaction, face to face, eye contact, yep. presence. I, not just COVID era, but like life now in general, 80 some odd percent of our social interactions are like device facilitated. Yep. Um, I'm reading Cal Newport's most recent book called Digital Minimalism. And I mean, part of what he gets after is the way the, the, the devices themselves, the platforms alter the nature. They don't just facilitate the same relationship. They change the nature of oh, the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you find, like, do you find yourself, uh, are you comfortable at all with like online relationships? Is it the same world? Is it like, is it, is it just an, and like a necessary thing that's like, because you're a public person, you have to have a Facebook account and have some Instagram stuff going on. 
is there a sense of connectedness at all for you there or really none? Like, what's it like for you to live online? Um, honestly, I hate it. <laughs> like, fundamentally, like, yeah, the I root just, for you is, like, negative. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that, um, it's a necessary evil hmm. in the same way that creating digital music is a necessary evil and that I'm not making any money off of really a lot of money off of digital, but I have to do it. I have to be hmm. on Spotify because if I'm not, I really will reach nobody. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that sort of like, I have to be on Facebook to kind of create a connection. And, and part of my, the 11 week thing was to try to re-engage with folks who still only listen to the 1994 record of like, yeah, how do I bring those folks along on a journey? Um, so I, 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 I'm, yeah, it's a, it's a necessary thing, but I'm, I'm, I don't really like it. I, I like you said, I love the face to face. I love being sitting across the table. Yeah. Uh, I love talking, uh, engaging voice to voice or face to face. And so I, I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see when, and if this season, this COVID season ends, if the pendulum will swing Hmm. back towards or away from devices because we've been so forced to be on them Hmm. in this season with zoom and all those, all the social media platforms of like, Will people clamor to be face to face when they can actually step away from their device because they can actually see people? Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I, I hope that's the case because in yeah. some senses I feel like we've gotten so far down the rabbit hole that it, it's it's somewhat disturbing. And I, I think the front yard worship thing and and th- that uh, elements like that have or or things that have happened in that season of like okay there's a touch point of like this is how it this is how we were supposed to be interacting this is how we were made and the digital thing is necessary but it's will never uh it will never replace face to face i enjoy online interactions and relationships um but it isn't it isn't the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and part when I do when I don't enjoy it, I want it. It's because well, at least in part. Yeah, when I feel it, when when it's when there's tension, it's usually because I'm expecting or wanting mm-hmm. something about it to be like a replication of like in presence, physical, eye to eye. Yeah. Um, it's just not like, yeah. and I don't think I'm a, I'm a different person online per se, but like the limitations and the opportunities are just, they're so, they're so broadly different. It's just, it's a different, yeah. it's a different way to be in relationship with folks. And it's so new. Yeah. It's still new. You know, I, I say this all the time, like Facebook is 16, not quite 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a freaking emotional disaster. Yeah. So was I at 16, when I was 17. Yeah, no, that's true. Right. So, and then there's all of us are some, all of us online are in a sense 17. Yeah. 
because that's what the platform allows that's, for. I've you. never thought about that way. That's good. So yes, we're we are we are an ad, we are the beginning of our adolescent just batshit craziness because like that's yeah. when it starts. Yeah, like you know. Yeah, is at seventeen. I think that I think the exhausting thing for me is just kind of creating content, which I'm amazed by your gift to do that. Like you, th- it seems like you thrive in that world of constantly posting and thought provoking and engaging. Like, I just don't, I'm not good at that. <laughs> I talk a lot. <laughs> you do, but, but even like, but just the, yeah, the, your, your posts are so thoughtful and engaging and I just, yeah, like I want to, I, I want to be able to do that and I'm not very good at it. Yeah. And so I wrestle that of like, are you okay? That's okay. Yep. Uh, but I'd rather engage. I'd rather engage like we're doing right now and sitting across. Yeah. Like that to me is more but, the thing. Right. But yeah. that's not how you grow a music career, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you've, you've done just fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've done something. You've done something. Yeah, you, we, you and I had a conversation uh, the other day talking about you know metrics, metrics and success and what have you. We were talking, you know, here we are towards the tail end of 2020, 2020 wrapped, 2020 wrapped, and, and that and that Spotify. Actually, the two things, my uh, a friend who doesn't use Spotify, hmm. they're just music listener. Uh, there's a she posted a meme of. Uh, like a, 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 a like iTunes looking through a window out at all the people in the street hmm. with their Spotify, you know, Funny. wrapped stuff because like iTunes doesn't do it. Um, some folks don't use Spotify, but for those of, for those do and I do I use Spotify too. But yeah, like you're down to the end of the year, and as you know, as listeners, people are posting like, "Here's my here's my top ten list," and they're tagging artists and like. And then artists are like, hey, here's my 56 million streams. And yeah. you're like, holy crap. Like, yeah. Um, and like, I don't see anywhere near that. Like, you know, I, like I, you know, I did. I looked it up. I was like, I wouldn't post this. <laughs> like, it's, it's exactly what I like, was I, like. Like, that's cool. Like 80 some odd countries. That's neat. And then I was like, oh, I'm not going to post that though. Uh, and, and, it, and some of it is a matter of like, I don't really want to. I don't really want to participate in it because there's an element of it that is like, I get it if you're Chance or if you're, uh, if you're Katy Perry or if you're Taylor Swift where it's like, do you say thank you in this way? Right. Because yes, like those folks, like this is sustaining your career in some way here perform. Yeah. And that you say thank you to your people. And like, I appreciate that. But that, you know, a lot of the folks in the long tail where it's like, here's your 14,000. Right. Not even 14 million. Here's your 14,000 streams. Here's your 56,000 streams, yep. which is not 56 million. Yep. Um, it, like, I, what's, bon- what's bonkers is, like, it's still 56,000 of anything. Sure. And what's, and how, what a freaking trip it is. Yeah. To look at what are actually decent sized numbers and be like, nah. Yeah, like that's, your, I'm, I mean, I fell down the rabbit hole the other day, which is why we were talking about this. Of like, I was comparing myself to my other indie artist friends who were posting and like the jumps that they had from last year, and I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't have that at all. Right. And immediately, I mean, immediately, just shame filled. Like, I suck. Why am I doing this? I'm going to Home Depot to get a job. Like, 
Uh, and I, it was really, it was so discouraging. Right. After, and with, and again, here's the thing. is like yeah. 26 years oh, yeah. of making music, yep. of making a living. It's not even just you were I, able to do it. Yes. Making a freaking living making music. 26 years. Most cats don't get through yep. two years or three. Yeah. 26 years. And still, still, the numbers will come and punch you right in the freaking throat yeah. and try to end your career. Yeah. Right like that. Just like that. How do you, and like when you think about success, your success, like in what way do you measure that for you? Like not just like how do you stay positive? Because that's not really the game. Because <laughs> if yeah. the game, if, if you're in more than four or five years and you're like, I'm just trying to stay positive, like buddy you lost yeah if you're if you're trying to stay positive you're losing and you should probably just quit yeah because you don't want to be there but like but having an actual metric for success like targets to hit like here's what's here's what's happening and now i know i don't i don't have to stay positive because i'm actually hitting my goals and yeah like what is what does it look like now what has it looked like how have you marked success over the years and how do you do it now uh, I was running this morning and thinking, man, if I can make it through this COVID season and still be playing music, I can get through anything. Come on now. That's <laughs> that, good. I mean, that really was like... Yeah, that's real. That is totally real. Because I make my living playing shows. And if I'm not playing shows, I'm not making a living. So yeah, I'm not playing shows right now. <laughs> but God continues to provide, uh, which is amazing. So I, I think... What you said though is amazing. To to look at doing eleven weeks, see God's faithfulness, know it, and a month later see numbers pop up that just make me like spiral downhill. Yeah, it's so frustrating. Yeah, and I know that I'm going to work through it. I, I I think my sort of gauge for success is exactly just that. I've made a living. I'm doing what I love to do. Yes. Um blessing people i'm challenging people i'm leading people i'm making good art and really that's that's it that hmm. that is my sort of basics for success or for thinking i'm successful uh i didn't really i think i uh, early on in my career i had more goals of like i want to try to get reach here i want to try to play this room i want to try to play this many people and, and sort of i guess through maturity and getting older and not really caring one of those things I just kind of came to the, you know, realization of like, no, I I can say that I've made music for 26 years and I've not worked any other job since then. Yeah. And it's still working. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. So that uh, and a, but it's a constant wrestle. I mean, it has always been that comparative, the comparative insecure gene that most songwriters and artists carry of, yes. you know, comparing ourselves to others and, and feeling insecure about where we are. I, I just wish I could get rid of that some days. <laughs> yeah, no way. I mean, it, but to look back at like, even in the 16, 17 years I've lived here, where I was when I moved here yeah. and where I am now, world's difference. Yes. Like, I don't really care. And a lot of the people that I compare myself to aren't playing music anymore. Right. Which is like, okay. Yeah. Why are you doing that? If you've been around the podcast for any amount of time, you know that I ask almost all my guests about their experience of life online. Part of why I do that is because I'm in a lot of conversations about the impact that online life has on our happiness. We look around at people in our similar stations of life and wonder why we are not there. 
and that can cause a bit of dysmorphia, a sense of displacement from the life we're actually living. And maybe you're like a lot of folks who are struggling with that, or maybe you're just facing depression, or you're stressed, you're anxious. Maybe you got some trauma you don't know what to do with. BetterHelp is actually available right now to you, and it is more affordable than offline counseling. In fact, if you jump right now to betterhelp.com slash at C, that's A-T-S-E-A, they'll give you 10% off your first month just because I sent you. Therapy through BetterHelp is also more conveniently located on the device you are probably using to listen to this podcast. Everything you share is confidential. And if you don't click well with the therapist you're initially paired with, you can try another therapist. That's not a ploy. That's them and me taking your mental health seriously. Jump to betterhelp.com slash at C. That's A-T-S-E-A. You'll be joining over 1 million people, including me, who've taken this step in the direction of health because I want to make a better offering of myself to the world I'm given to. Conversation I had with a client that I coach who's also a songwriter and he's been at it for... 12, 15 years, hmm. right? Um, similar kind of thing in, sort of, in terms of like new phase of life, uh, you know, COVID shutting down because same, same. He's like workhorse, like doesn't like doing stuff online. Uh, he just, he wants to be in, he wants to be in a room with a guitar. He prefers to travel with a band, likes the community or the community orientation, the thing. Yeah. Can't do any of that stuff. Like all his, all those things are gone. So he's in this like reinvention phase mm. uh, or moment, and like when we first started talking, like he was in the dumps, and he was like, and the word failure kept coming up, and I was like, hey, let's stop for a second, mm. bro. <laughs> you've been doing this for almost fifteen years, right? Like it's not a game. I get that it's not a game, but like let's just talk about it for a second as if it is. You won, right? Like you freaking won. I mean, no one does, like, almost regardless of what career it is, like, anyone who does any kind of a career for a decade, Yeah. I mean, someone who's a t- teacher in a classroom, you get through 10 years of public education, it's like, yeah. homie, you won. Sure. Like, if it's a game, you won. How, st- like, and how fragile that sense of, like, vocational place is mm-hmm. in a human soul. Like, how, like... To, that it can be stripped away in like that mm-hmm. in an instant. They can have all this evidence to the contrary that like, no, like literal, literal thousands of people mm-hmm. care about what you do. And then like a meme pops up and ruins your freaking career in a, media, in a day. It's brutal. Social media. But living here, <laughs> yeah. you talk, you know, comparison kills. Mm-hmm. Just It just does. Comparison just wrecks lives, undoes marriages, undoes human psychologies. It just kills things. Mm-hmm. It almost never does anything positive. Just raw comparison. Living in Nashville can't make that easier. I I was telling uh, another uh, another friend uh, yesterday the day before like part of the reason I stopped coming to Nashville is because hmm. I would leave here feeling like trash yeah like every time like I, I you know I I, I I bought a house in California on a, on making music yeah and I would be boarding a flight from Nashville yep. to fly back home 
a ticket that I was able to purchase because I make a living making music, <laughs> and I'm getting on the and I'm getting on the plane, but like I suck at this. I'll sure. never be any good. And I'm thinking about like, and and the town like had that vibe. Talk about living here these sixteen years. The choice to be here, the career move, the formation of community, mm-hmm. and then the thing you said earlier, like it's changed over time. Yeah. And some of that is because enough people failed. Yeah. Like enough people did not hit their targets and had to reorient what it meant to be successful. Talk about like being in this town, industry town, industry friendships, and like the actual formation of like beloved community, vulnerability. Because like you're not the kind of cat that goes to goes to like you know movie town and is like I'm a celeb. I'm gonna kick ass here. You're like, no, I want to do my work and I have friends. Right. Yeah, I think that when I moved here, I was in a different place, obviously, in my early 30s, and was looking and striving for success. Yeah. And so I was much more apt to compare myself to others and very regularly think I needed to go to Home Depot and get a job. And nothing against Home Depot workers. I love Home Depot. <laughs> I could get a you. job there because I spend so much money of my hard-earned money. I actually call it Home Deposit, not Home Depot. Yes, because that's deposit. where all your money was going for a minute. Exactly. So I think when I was in that phase and then I had a chance to go out on the road with Jars of Clay and sort of their time with them and our conversations and the venues we played and just kind of opened the door to like, I, why am I... No, just make good music. Like, find people that will appreciate it and respect it um, and and strive for that as opposed to, like, trying to be something or someone. Yeah. And, that, and obviously, that's really difficult in this town. And so, um, actually, the word respect made me think of that. That was a big thing. It still is. It's not as big as it used to be, but a thing that drove me of, like, I just want to be respected by my friends. Like, that's good. I mean, you want to be respected by musical business people as someone who creates good art. And that's an important and a good thing to drive you. But when it sort of occupies everything, yes, then it becomes not a good thing. Yeah. And so in some senses over the last 16, 17 years, I sort of somewhat threw that out the window hmm. uh, and just wanted to make good art. And I... I have not, I've stayed independent my whole career yeah, and somewhat by choice, but also I've cast things, cast some nets out there and none of nothing has really come back. So I've sort you of, even in just, terms of like a, like a label deal and book yeah, agents and all that. Kind yeah. Of stuff. Kind of, I've had those moments and working with, working with the jars guys was great because they introduced me to a lot of folks and, and so I followed up on those relationships and then, uh, it sort of, nothing really ever went anywhere. And around I have a 10 year old like you and when he entered the picture everything sort of shifted Hmm. and my priorities shifted of like yeah I'm not so it's not so important to me to do follow those things I would rather put my efforts the 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 institutional uh, market metrics yes Yeah. yeah having a label deal yep and I never really wanted that. I, I'm more, I think, I've just always wanted to just, I want the music to be heard by as many people as possible in whatever way yeah. that can happen. And obviously labels are helpful for that. But I've never can really be. found, yeah, I can. 
not always, but I've never really found those relationships that would help me get to that point. So I sort of had to dial back. Like I just, I'm going to play for the people that I play for. And if it's 50 people a night and those 50 people are loving it and they buy some CDs and, uh, I can walk away feeling really great about what I'm doing. If I'm doing the best that I can and creating good art and engaging people with an entertaining show that makes them lie, crap, you know, cry, laugh, all those things in the course of a night. And I walk away feeling like I did what I was supposed to do as best as I could, then, then I'll, I'll feel good. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the healthier. And I try not to make too many like sweeping generalizations about career and vocation and pathways. Cause you know, it's not like everyone has a different path, but you know, something along those lines. But the, like you know, approaching a label or approaching a, a publisher, like I think there is a wrong way to do it, and and uh, and it is like if I'm if what I want is if what yeah if I'm going to that label and hoping for that label deal because that's my target, right? And when I get it, that's the thing that makes me feel like a success, right? If that's my target, is I got the I got the label deal. I got the book contract. If the if the book contract is the thing is the target, I'm screwed. Yeah, because the actual thing yep. is that interaction with people is yep. that connection. Which it's, I oftentimes go back to the Seth Godin notion that art is anything you create that facilitates a connection between people. Yep. So long as it's about the connection between people, then like that's a like that's a metric that lasts over the course of time, and it's one I actually have control over, which is what makes like the you know the 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 marketplace uh, machinery necessary to begin with. Yeah. And like I forget that, and so does the machine. Like the machine forgets. Yeah. Like you're only necessary insofar as you facilitate the connection between me and what I make and the people who want it for their lives. Yeah. Like and so if, so if I can approach a label or if I can approach a book deal, a publisher with the with you know with what you said before, like who can help me? do what I do right. better and connect with more people. If that's the relationship, that's a healthy place to be. But if it's like, I've got this thing going and I need someone to uh, verify that it's good. Right. And so, you know, HarperCollins likes it. So if HarperCollins likes it, it must be good. Right. It's like, okay, HarperCollins and the 200 people who will buy it. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, and all 200 of those folks would have bought it anyways. Yeah. So HarperCollins yeah. didn't do anything for yeah. you if you don't have, already have that connection. Yeah. I, I think uh, also the, the second, kind of second part of your question of community, uh, part of the reason, I don't know, we've talked about this before, but part of the reason that I moved here was not for the music business. Yeah. And I always sort of joke on stage that I've managed to avoid the music business very effectively in my 17 years of living here, which is partially a deflection of like, because it never happened, but also it's true. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually moved here because when I lived in Boston in my early 30s, kind of reached a place of like, I don't have the people that I need in Hmm. my life. And I feel like I'm supposed to move to Nashville because I'm going to find those people or more readily find those people. Yes. And so that was sort of the driving factor, uh, you know, and the fact that it's a great city. uh, It's affordable. It's well, it was affordable once. Um, And there's people who understand the life of a musician here more than any other place that I've lived is, is a huge benefit. Yeah. So 
moving here sort of with a different perspective and a different drive of like, instead of going musically challenging, like musically trying to strive for something, I'm actually want to strive for people. Like I want to bring people into my life. And that's been a crazy, beautiful journey of from buying this house because some friends invited us into the neighborhood yeah, uh, to starting a small group, planning a church, the small group imploding us sort of floating for two years. And just this last year kind of resurfacing with some different, a different group of people, which has yeah. been a really hard and beautiful, uh, somewhat lonely, messy journey. I try to push folks, clients, friends, uh, in the direction of like, you know, a career is for the most part, if you're talented, if you have it in you, a career is something you can build kind of from wherever. Yeah. To some degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are definitely places where it's like, if you want to work in politics, right. yeah, to some degree, like you can, you can do that kind of anywhere if you like, but you spend some time in DC. Like yeah. if you're going to do movies, yeah, to some degree you can do it anywhere. LA really is where you want to be yeah. songwriting LA or Nashville. Like I get to some degree that's true, but bigger than all of that, it's like, if you, if you can find or have people that you are willing to, that like actually that you feel connected to move everything yeah, to live with the people that actually make you feel alive and like give you a sense of rootedness. Cause you're going to die yeah. at some point and you, this is my two cents. You'll regret like not having had time with people you really liked if you don't and who liked you you moved into this neighborhood on an invitation to be part of a community of people like it wasn't just like you were house hunting and you found an affordable place in the same way that moving to nashville in general was to some degree a matter of like i need to be and want to be around folks who get me yeah and you know musicians musician friends there was a really specific element to that for you coming into creve halls in neighborhood Mm mm-hmm Tell that story a little bit and about the kind of the entrance in and then like a little bit of like the disintegration, delusionment, yeah. disillusionment and rebuild. Sure. We, um, I, I uh, early 30s living in Boston, hadn't found a community there and I made all the excuses and most of the excuses were just because I, I was not willing to let people in to my heart and to my, yeah yeah so i was really good at the surface and floating on the surface and and uh i was actually at a wedding of my friends uh there by myself because the girl that i was dating uh it didn't work out and so i was at a wedding and when you're at a wedding by yourself surrounded by people who are all having a blast and you're completely lonely it's a great time to get have a little self heart check check-in time and I remember standing in the back of the reception That's called catharsis thank you yes yes I remember standing back at reception going wow this sucks and I'm lonely and all these people flew in from all over the country to celebrate my two friends who would do that for me if I were ever to find someone to get married and I was like I have no idea whoa and it was a pretty like pretty humbling experience and it was in that moment I was like I got to reboot. I got to restart. Yeah. I got to find five guys that can speak into my heart and into my life. And I was like, and I got to get the heck out of Boston. So I picked up, I was like literally that day. Wow. So I came, found a place here. That actual day. That actual day. I was like, yep, that's it. Wow. Done. Uh, so I made the decision, came down to Nashville, checked it out. 
rented a place in the process, fell in love with a girl uh, who didn't live here but lived in Baltimore, who is now my wife of uh, many years. And we were on the road, and, uh, and she wanted the same thing out of a community. She had a great community in Baltimore, and she, uh, but she said, I, I'm desiring the same thing as you, so I can come to you. And I was like, I can go anywhere. Like, I can do my job anywhere, like you said as long as I have an airport and uh, I can get to it. <laughs> and so we decided, okay, we're, we're coming here. And being on the road with Jars and they, one of the families, the couples in that were the family that said, hey, we, we want you to move into the neighborhood. Yeah. Were they uh, and my friend Mitch and Jeannie um, and Matt and Christian, the other couple, decided that, hey, we want to live this stinks being across the city from each other. This is not community. We need to be like in proximity. So they sold both of their houses, found a realtor and said, find us two houses within three houses of each other at least. Wow. And so they moved into this neighborhood with the very specific intent of, we want to live together. Yeah. They, they didn't, uh, one couple had one child. The other couple didn't have any at that point. And so out of that, they birthed a small group of people uh, and said, we would love for you to be a part of this something cool god's building and we want you to be in it and we're like great like regular hangout meeting regular let's do schedule. life together yeah. yep once a week let's make meals let's help each other yeah you know let's walk through life together and it was beautiful and so we were driving around killing time found this house just put it on the market uh mitch and Jeannie were like we've looked at every single house in this neighborhood you should buy this house we're like okay great and we just bought the house <laughs> Weren't looking to buy a house, weren't pre-approved for a loan. We put an <laughs> offer in and we're like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. And my wife's mom is a realtor. And so she walked us through, she, Suzanne would step outside and call, Hey, what else should we do this? And I was like, and she's like, don't say that. Don't say that. Say this, say this. And we walked there and we bought a house in like 24 hours. It wow. Was, it was insane. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, uh, this small group started meeting. It was beautiful uh, walking through life with these folks. But one of the things that happened, and you might be able to attest to this, is when you speak from something, you speak about something on stage in front of people as part of your story, which is a beautiful thing, what can happen sometimes is it can become an idol. Yep. And so community and this group, I'm now looking back and say it was an idol. I spoke of it in such a way that it was so much bigger. Hmm then it was a big thing in our life and it was a beautiful thing, but in some ways it, it was blown out of proportion. Fascinating. The amount of energy and goodness that I gave it. I think, I think that's the right way to say it. Sure. And so when it imploded four years ago, it was devastating. Huh. And, and what happened was, uh, without going into too much detail, we sort of kept meeting together, but none of us really showed up when we showed up. Yeah. And a lot of hurt happened. And then we spent about six to nine months unpacking the entire history of 10 year history of the group of like each iteration, like, okay, huh. this family came in, this family came out, what happened there? Here's what happened. This hurt, this was beautiful. And it was a beautiful journey. And by the end we were like, it, we're done. Hmm. And we walked away <laughs> to much like it had a the part of what you're, I mean, it's like it had a season. Like you made, you made, it, you made like a monolith out of it. Yeah. 
Instead of like, this is a thing that has a, a time and a purpose, as it were. Except that we were like, we're going to carry each other's, we're going to carry each other's uh, coffins. That was like, we had put so much emphasis on it that we're like, this is life. This is, this is it. This is the rest of our life is this group of people. We're yeah. going to do it. And partially a beautiful thing based on, I had some friends out in the Northwest who have been in the same small group for 35 years. Yeah. I'm like, gosh, I want that. Like, I, yes. I want that. I want that. It sounds history. great. Sounds great. Uh, and they have managed to do it, but I think they're a complete anomaly in in yeah. in the world of of community. And so we and friendship we, in general, you have yeah. to be really careful where you use the word forever. Yeah, yeah. And and in part of the group, it, it was. Some families moved on to different churches, and that had a lot to do with it. Some moved out of the neighborhood, moved from different schools. We were all so close together, and we sort of separated apart, but still wanted to try to keep together. Yeah. And it just wasn't sustainable, and it was, hmm. yeah, super sad. So what'd you do? Uh, we sort of imploded, and I, that's the word I use. It's not really a great word, but we just kind of came, like, yeah, it just ended. It ended. It ended. And we tried to stoke it, and it ended. Yeah. Uh, the guys continued to meet for a while, and and then I sort of grew a little tired of that. Because for me, and this is somewhat harsh to say, but for me, community is not just meeting together twice a month. Like, I don't need that. I mean, I do need that, but what I need more is meeting together regularly and just being in each other's lives. Yeah. And it wasn't happening. Yeah. And so we'd come together, we'd pour our hearts out, and then I wouldn't see or talk to you for two weeks. That's like, to me, that felt like, mm -mm, this, mm -mm, th mm. this is not, this is, we did, that's, it's not community. It's like the, the group meeting time instead of facilitating like an existing ongoing friendship exactly. became the totality exactly of that friendship. We sort of idolized the meeting time as opposed to the, what the purpose of the meeting of yeah. what we said we were about. Um, and so the last couple of years has been really hard. My wife and I floated, uh, and really felt out of place and, and not connected Here, where you already are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, while we're building this home that we live in and we love this space, we love where we live, but we're just missing, just missing it yeah. a lot. And so we uh, sort of connected to a couple other families who I felt like the Lord brought into our lives and I kind of pressed into them of what they were wanting and looking for. And we felt like there's, there's a mutual thing. And so in the last year, we've sort of, started another small group of, of yeah. sorts and, and it's been totally beautiful that's the thing that often ends up happening right it's like yeah there's sort of the disintegration and then those individuals who are part of a thing kind of start their own yeah thing. they want to replicate which is good and i think that's there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a kind of um evolutionary um kind of gene of progress and process there where like things die for the express purpose that it's parts yeah 
and those seeds are planted elsewhere. Like the seed has to break in order for the, the whole thing has to, like there's a death necessary yeah. for things to get splintered off so that more life can actually and take root. I think part of it for me too is wrestling the pride of like, I'm always, one of the gifts that I feel like God has given my wife and I is we're pursuers. Yeah. And we pursue people. And part of us was, part of it for us was just wrestling. Like, I want to be pursued. I don't want to be the guy pursuing again. And we just had to work through that. And we pursued, pursued these couple of families and they, both of the families were like, felt the same way we did. Yep. And felt so blessed by being pursued. It was like, wow, we've, we always start something and we didn't want to start something, but you're inviting us. The power of inviting someone yes. in to something bigger than themselves. I feel like that's what my whole music career is right now. It has oh. been of like, wow. I just want to invite people into something bigger because that's what I want. That's I really want someone good. to invite me into something bigger because mm. there's always something bigger. Um, yeah, there's something to be said for the loneliness that comes with being a leader. If you're actually a leader, naturally, yeah, you're always out front, and yeah. there, and being out front means there aren't people in front of you. Yeah, like you're you. It is lonely, and you know, l- almost always. Yeah. And you're almost always the person who starts the thing yeah. and pursues and maintains the conversation. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's beauty in that. I mean, there's, there's a beautiful thing in, in that, that if you can get past the, I'm doing it again, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. And just see like, that's how I'm wired. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Like embrace that. Are you still thinking long-term? Like when you think about career <laughs> stuff, do you still think long-term or like at this point, is it let's, let's do this year and see what happens next. Dude, it's like, let's do this day. Oh really? <laughs> <It's so laughs> We're down. We're in the granular. I feel is it like, great? Is it, is it pretty near that granular? That's like, that's, uh, it, this season, it does sort of feel that way. Uh, I really, I have no shows on the horizon. Yeah. Like I have nothing planned and I don't know what's next. So mm-hmm. where you're hitting me right now is like, I'm a little bit of raw place of, I don't really know what's coming down the pipe. What do you want? You know? Uh, I'm trying to figure that out. Like, do you want to get back on the road? I do. I, I do. But I think it will never look the same. I don't think anything's going to look the no, same. Nothing will ever look the same. Uh, and to that is that's beautiful like that's okay. that excites me of like we yeah. don't have to live at the pace we lived at before good yeah to survive yeah part of it's fun and part of it can be seasonal but like the amount of slowness that i've been afforded hmm to be with my wife to be with my 10 year old to like it, I would would trade that for nothing. I mean, it I, it's been such a gift, just a reboot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been beautiful. But I, yeah, I don't. I don't, honestly, I, I think what I need to do is create, hmm. which scares the hell out of me in this season. Really? Because I feel like there's so much I want to say, and I feel like I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know? I do. Like, there's so many songs that I want to write, and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So I just need to start. Well, thank God you got the time. Yeah. Because since, since you're not traveling. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think that's what would... The creating for me, writing songs, not content for social media, is where I, I will thrive. I love, yeah. I love writing. I love that work, that hard hands in the mud work of like building something. Uh, yeah, I think that's what needs to happen next. Which is what started the thing to begin with. Yeah, I think. I wish I could remember that far back. <laughs> no, I think that's it. I was 20, 23. Golly. No, it wasn't exactly yesterday. No, it wasn't. No. But yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, doing that throwback live stream and remembering that of like going back. Uh, yeah. And, and recapturing. Again, I think it comes down to just inviting people into a bigger story. I want to invite myself in. So I think God is inviting us into a bigger story. And the digital platform and social media helps in some ways, but it's also a little bit... Uh, narrow hmm. it's not it's not it's not a big enough story my friend yako he's a brilliant writer and teacher and professor and pastor and speaker he's awesome he says that we live hit single to hit single hmm. and we often miss the big symphony that god's writing hmm. because we're just living for those hit little moments those little posts those little and we get lost in the weeds of that and mm. don't see the, the greater symphony that he's writing, the greater story, the greater narrative. Wow. And that's good, especially in the weeds of 2020, uh, wrapped digital numbers, <laughs> like to not get lost in that weed, but to go, no, 26 years faithful. I'm still doing it. It's not important. That's I think, good. I think that's the wrestle. I think that's the wrestle that uh, I'm in currently. That not not in this, not only in this season, but like this particular day, the last couple of days. Yeah, I, I need to remember that and be raw with it and be vulnerable with it. I, I sat down with my family over dinner the other night, the 2020 wrapped day when I went down the tubes uh, into that dark darkness, and I was like, and I had dinner. I said, "Hey, I'm feeling really discouraged." I told my ten year old son, and uh, it was really sweet because he was a part of each Throwback Thursday show, and uh, and he said, "No, Dad, people still buy your CDs. I've seen you put out orders. Mm-hmm. He people still buy your CDs. Wow. Like, thank you." <laughs> Love that. Yeah. That the ten year old saving the day. That was a good uh that was a good just reminder for me of I love that. Yeah, it just felt like we have to be real with our kids and vulnerable and transparent in that way and teach them. You yeah. know? Would you thank you for your time? Oh man, thank you. It's, it's good to good to be with you and a gift for, uh what you're doing. So Thanks man. Yeah. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Etsy podcast. If you would like to follow up with Christopher Williams, you can visit him at ChristopherW.com. He's also available 
by way of listening <laughs> anywhere music is played. If you would like to become one of the people who helps this podcast do what it does, you can visit me at patreon.com backslash Justin McRoberts and join our team. We would love to have you. Until next time.